For those of you whom I have not met, I'm David Beecham. I am uh, used to be on staff here as a pastor, uh, one of the pastors. Uh, now I'm a pastoral elder and doing some other things as well. Um, I uh, am wanting to share with you that uh, shadows are weird. Uh, we're talking about shadow lands and uh, you know, I live on some property where there's trees, and if I were finding myself waking up in the middle of the trees with nothing but shadows, it would be confusing to me. I'd be saying, hey, um, is the sun coming up or is the sun going down? That type of confusion is like what loss is all about, too. During loss, as Jesus follows, however, we can still have hope, and I, I believe that that's part of what the, big, the series Big Idea is really all about on this message series, uh, is that we are talking about grace, experiencing grace. And for me, there's, uh, there's that receiving that hope in the midst of loss is a hope that we don't necessarily deserve, but God gives that to us. And so the series Big Idea is that we experience grace in loss when we turn to and trust in God. I'm the father of four. My oldest is now 37 years old, with married and three children of his own. Um, my oldest daughter, she's 35, down in Texas with two boys. My, my oldest son has two boys and a girl. Keep track of the boys. Um, my, oldest, my youngest son uh, is married and down in Olathe and has an almost two-year-old named Hayden. Um, yes, that was five grandsons and one poor little granddaughter, but we're watching uh, uh, Charlotte. Uh, I call her Charlotte, even though the rest of the family call her Charlie, because I want her to embrace her femininity. <laughs> um, my youngest daughter is Anna. Um, I think there may be a picture of her briefly up on the screen. Um, Anna, <laughs> cantankerous. My goodness gracious. Uh, you know, she yanked down a, a, a curling iron on her arm when she was 18 months old and put a big scar on her left forearm. Um, and that was just the beginning. <laughs> she reached her teenage years and doggone it, that girl could get in trouble. Uh, and she was a mess. I would encourage her to clean up her room, and finally, Debbie and I just kind of gave up. Um, it was, it, you would just get, enter a room and just kind of wade through trying to go through where there's an empty spot. I don't know if you've ever had a child that does that, but it's kind of fun in a way. Um, Anna was living with us when... Uh, we got orders, uh, I was a I'm retired army chaplain, and got orders uh, to go to Germany, and uh, we made the decision that she was just going to stay in Fayetteville, and uh, so uh, we went off to Germany in uh, April or May of 2012, and um, she stayed in Fayetteville. Um, she came and saw us um, in August, September time frame of 2012. It was a wonderful visit. Uh, uh, just her, her smile, and she had just in, embraced following Jesus, and so it was kind of fun to just hang out with, with Anna. Um, 
we got to January of uh, 2013, uh, she, she got a tattoo. I don't have any tattoos. All of my children have tattoos. <laughs> her tattoo, she got on her forearm, it says Chronicos. And I, I know that you all are Greek scholars, and it, it basically means temporary. Only Anna could figure out how to have a permanent tattoo that says temporary. <sighs> that was on the 24th of, uh, of January. On the 30th of January, I, I met with my four-star boss in Stuttgart for the first time. He came down from uh, Brussels. I was the UCOM chaplain. And um, I won't go into that. <laughs> it was an interesting engagement. He didn't have much need for chaplains. Uh, uh, later that day, around noon, I was in my office and got a phone call. And it was Debbie. And she shared that Anna had died in a car accident. Um... I wasn't prepared for that. She had left Fayetteville and was in Montana at the time trying to figure out her next step. And, Aunt, and Debbie was all alone when she got the phone call letting her know. And so we were both alone. So my first thought was I need to get home to Debbie. We lived in a little village outside of Stuttgart. And I had to drive home alone. I did not know what wailing is. But I know what wailing is now. Good they left the Kleenex box from the first service. Um... What do you do? We were in Germany and Anna died in Montana. Debbie and I had to figure out how to get to Montana. We did. We flew there. We started dealing with a death we didn't want to deal with. We went up to the room of the family that she was staying with. And Debbie and I looked at each other and said, well, Anna's getting one last laugh as we waded through the room. <laughs> and Debbie cleaned up after Anna one last time. They had a memorial. For Anna had been in Montana for six weeks and... Uh, They decided to have a little memorial for her just to honor her life, and 50 people showed up. What's amazing, they all told Anna stories. <laughs> Anna could do things to people to make them feel uncomfortable, like giving a hug and not letting go. 
we got her journals, and Anna's 21 years old. She struggled with her own sin, but she also was passionate about following Jesus, so she loved Jesus. What's a mom and dad to do? Where do you bury a child that you don't want to bury? She was basically still our dependent. So we took her to Texas where I grew up and arranged for her to be buried in the Texas Veterans Cemetery outside of Colleen where I grew up. So she's just surrounded by old veterans. <laughs> I know that I've experienced loss. There are many of you here who have experienced similar or even deeper loss, but I want to share a story from the Bible of a woman who I believe definitely shared, had deeper loss than I did. I think the book of Ruth should actually be called the book of Naomi. So I want to share from Ruth the first verses first. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They are Ephrathites. Basically, that was just an old name for people from Bethlehem area, from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Naomi experienced loss. You know, the, first we just read about this famine. My goodness, just the loss of being able to have a secure food on the table. And then moving to a foreign country, let alone Moab, that was an enemy of Israel. And they, Israelites were not supposed to go there. But they moved there. Moved to a foreign country where they probably weren't received very well. Then Naomi loses her husband. And then, doggone it, those boys married Moabite women. Probably a loss of a dream of her boys marrying Israelite women. You know how we feel about our children and the dreams we have for them. And then her two sons died. See, our life story can have ongoing periods of different types of loss. living life I'm only sharing one of my losses well my story and perhaps your story 
can certainly deal with death, illness, financial loss and relationship loss, divorce, children, loss of dreams. But the story goes on. And after all of this loss, Naomi turns to her two daughters-in-law and says this, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? You see, that's how the family name was supposed to be carried on in her culture. She was supposed to supply sons to these daughters-in-law that lost their husbands. But she knew that she couldn't. And so Naomi didn't feel worthy of a relationship with her daughters-in-law, so she said, go back home to your father's house. Her only understanding was that she just didn't deserve to be with others. So here's the truth. Experiencing grief can lead to questioning our relationship with others. When we experience loss, there can be a strain on our marriages. Debbie and I looked at each other and said, well, what do we do now? In the midst of the days and weeks after Anna's death, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was just struggling personally. I wasn't even thinking of my own three living children, but it's a strain on the relationship that they have with each other and missing a sibling. And what do I say to them? How do I deal with their hurt? You see, like Naomi, Sometimes when we experience loss, we just, we want to be alone. In a sense, we think we deserve to be alone. Just, just leave me alone. I want to be left alone. And we almost cry out. Well, the story continues on. In Ruth verse, chapter 1, verses 20, it says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why? Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. See, Naomi was right in the middle of the blame blame game. Here are words. Three different places. She says, God brought me back empty. God afflicted me. God brought misfortune upon me. God did it. He could have prevented it. Doggone it, God. See, experiencing grief can lead to blaming God. For me, I really went through periods of time of blaming myself. You know, all those if-onlys. All those if-onlys. If only I wasn't in the army. If I'd just been a pastor and stayed being a pastor. If, if only I hadn't taken that assignment so I could work for a four-star. If only we hadn't left Anna behind. Really, though, asking all those if-onlys 
was me not trusting God. So in a sense, I was blaming God. Just like Naomi. In these verses, we also see that Naomi was saying, don't call me Naomi. See, Naomi means pleasant, delightful. That's the meaning of the name, and names were important back then. So she said, don't call me Naomi anymore because I am not pleasant. I am not delightful. Naomi renamed herself Mara, which means bitter, because she was now bitter and saw herself as being bitter. So, experiencing grief can lead to completely changing how we see ourselves. For me, I, you know, was I a father of four? Was I a father of three now? I didn't want to be a part of a group of parents who had lost their children. Doggone it. Now whenever I share about my youngest daughter, people, they don't know how to react. It just can change how we see ourselves. Are we an orphan, widow, a widower, divorcee? I can't hold the job. I'm sick all the time. I'm old. But time passes. It's passed for Naomi. Events happened. Naomi and Ruth. Ruth said, I'm sticking with you. And so the two of them went back to the Bethlehem area. And guess what? Ruth said, well, I, we've got to eat. And so she started gleaning from the leftovers of fields. You see, part of the culture was that you didn't go back and give, get absolutely every piece of grain. You left it on the ground so that the poor could come along and pick it up. So Ruth did that in order to help her and Naomi eat. What was Naomi doing? As far as we know, Naomi wasn't doing anything. She was just existing, living off of Ruth. And she was just a bitter old woman. Well, Ruth found the field of a man named Boaz, an older man, and he was kind. He started making sure that there was some leftover stuff for her that she could get every single day. And Ruth told the story to Naomi, and Naomi responded with this. She said, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. See, here's where things start to change for Naomi. This is where she starts to experience a glimmer of hope, which I believe is grace from God. And she even starts 
she uses these words, the Lord bless him. She starts to say and use kind words about God, the same God that she had completely blamed for everything. Because Naomi remembered that Boaz was a close relative. And in that culture, that could mean something to her. And so healing from grief begins by recognizing God's continuing role in our story. Naomi had that glimmer. I know for me, the weeks after Anna's death, Debbie and I were just numb. We got through it all. Got her buried. And then I started recognizing that we were experiencing a strength that a lot of people who had lost a child had not experienced and we reflected back on back in 2004 my jump number 61 was not a good jump I broke my pelvic ring experienced pain experienced loss but I learned to trust God in fact I even developed it into a message jump number 61 let go and let God It became ingrained in who Debbie and I are. So when De- Anna's death happened, we had already deeply embraced trusting God no matter what. For me, it just takes time for healing to occur, for hope to enter back in. The rest of the story for Naomi is amazing. You see, Naomi encouraged Ruth to develop that relationship with Boaz. And so she did, and she stuck around, only going to Boaz's fields. And eventually went through the process of marrying Boaz. And that's a whole other story of how God works. And guess what? Boaz and Ruth had a child. And so we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 4. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son! And they named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. For Naomi, that declaration from her friends that Naomi has a son was true. Because in that culture, since her boys had died... Her daughter-in-law having a child meant that her husband's family name would carry on. And so Obed was a son to her, but even though he was a grandson, the family name would continue. I dare say that Naomi just might have let go of her name Mara at that time. You see, with God, 
The rest of our story is part of his story. Now, with Naomi, only God knew the rest of the, the real rest of the story. Naomi did not know that Obed would become the grandfather of King David. There was no way that Naomi knew that. Why was this story even included in the Bible? It was all because of King David. Because King David was a huge part of God's story. Because Jesus came through the line of David. Wow! God's story is pretty awesome. For me, I know that Anna's death has impacted others. You know that tattoo she had on her arm, Chronicos? It came from a verse in 2 Corinthians 4.18 where it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I know that Anna's life has inspired others. Even the tattoo inspired... I know of at least three other people that got tattoos, chronicles, on their bodies permanently. I didn't, but others did. Just this past Tuesday, days ago, I heard from a friend who messaged me and I hadn't heard from this friend in seven years. And this is her text. Pam said, I just wanted you to know that we still think of Anna and what a blessing she was to our family. Now that meant something to this dad. Anna had been a babysitter for their family. It was just kind of cool to hear Pam didn't know I was preaching this message. God knew. Is God active? God's active. Here's the takeaway. Experiencing grief is unique for each person. It's unique. The type of grief, whether it be death or divorce or loss of job or loss of a dream or loss of a relationship with a child, whatever the type of grief or loss it is, it's unique. And don't think that you're going to go through any particular stages. You may or may not. I know that we were all over the place. We still are. There is not a mold. But for those who choose to follow Jesus as Lord of their lives, as Savior and Lord, here's the teaching big idea. Experiencing, excuse me, God uses every loss, every single one in our lives. God uses every loss to accomplish His good will. Now think about this. God is good all the time. When we experience loss in our lives, God is good all the time. For Naomi, 
God was using her loss for his purposes. For me, I know that his kingdom has been furthered. I'll be honest with you, I don't know the full story. I wish my daughter was still here. But my story is not done yet. And I know that our story is being used. <laughs> Getting texts from friends from long ago proves that. I do want you to know that I still hurt. I've demonstrated that I cry. I even cry when I see zombie movies. Now, that may sound weird, but when I walked in to see Anna's body, my son-in-law was working on Anna's iPod, and we walked in, and a song came on, and it was, If I were a zombie, I wouldn't eat your brain. I cry at zombie movies now. We don't know how deep the hurts are of the people that are around us. But life is temporary. We focus on the eternal. We remember that the series Big Idea is that we experience grace and loss when we turn to and trust in God. So the question for all of us is this, will I turn to and trust in Him? As I look around, we've got to look and ask that question of ourselves. Perhaps as we sing, as this song is sung to us, it's a time to reflect and ponder how we really will respond to loss? Will it respond with trusting God all the time?
give David just a thank you right now for sharing that? I mean, this takes a lot of courage. You know, loss is real. It's, it's in every one of our lives. And the message that was shared is a message really of hope because here's the reality. You are not alone in your loss. <laughs> there is a God who is alive and he's with you. He's a God you can trust. And all he's waiting for you to do is just turn to him and trust him to almost in a way lift your hand up in the shadow lands where, you're, where loss is all around and you're just overwhelmed. And he wants to grab your hand. David, thanks for sharing with us how God grabbed your hand in your season of loss. And Dave, th thank you also, David, for grabbing our hand. And that's what we do. We're not alone in this. And there are other people in grief and in sorrow and hurt. And that's what family does. We grab each other's hand. And we trust in him. Our prayer partners are available and they'd love to pray with anyone for any reason today. And they would love to walk with you and grab your hand. And I encourage you to visit with them if you would like today. They're up at the front tables. Also, I just want to pray with you and pray over you and bless you this morning. Will you bow your heads with me? <clears throat> Father, thank you for letting us know that we're not alone. And Father, may we be a reminder to each other, to our family, <laughs> that they are not alone. And so we walk with them in the shadow lanes. And God, we trust that you will use every loss that we experience <clears throat> to accomplish your good will. Together we can say we trust you and we will encourage one another <laughs> to trust you because of what Jesus has done for us through his life and through his resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, Westside. You do not want to miss next week as we finish this. And guess what? We want to finish the series on a high note. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. God bless you guys.